0: Hello I'm Harry. I know most of you guys here. I'm one of the leaders at CVBC. I want to thank uh, Pastor Luke for giving me the honor of being able to preach today. And I also have a message to the saints who are in Mendon and also to the saints in Course Gold and Oakhurst who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I will warn you, I um, have my watch on today. That's a very rare occasion that I actually wear a watch. But um, the reason I do that is so I don't go too long. But the problem is, in seminary, they said, always wear a watch. But they never taught us how to tell time. So I promise we'll be out of here before it gets dark. Well, as a child growing up, I was rather quiet. But when pushed too far, I was known to have a, a quite caustic tongue. On several occasions, I had my mouth washed out with soap. My older brother used to say to me, Curb thy tongue, knave. And uh, I thought he was brilliant quoting the words or, you know, of Shakespeare but later in life I found out that was the name of an album in 1963 by the Smothers Brothers. <laughs> As a kid I was not pleasantly plump or husky but I was fat. I felt like a spanky version of Beaver Cleaver. Now, for those of you who are not old enough to know those references, how about a a fat version of SpongeBob? That's what I looked like. I was harassed a lot, and my mother used to try to console me and say, um, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. I realized later on that that's about as truthful as saying that the Park family do not have any cow patties in their pasture. So why do words have such power over us? If you have a Bible with you, uh, please turn to James chapter 3. we will be in verses 1 through 12. And if you're using the church Bible, It's on page 1012, 1012. Or if you want to, please feel free um, just to listen. I'll be reading from the ESV version, but I do trust that whatever version of scripture that you have with you, you'll be able to follow along. But before I get started, let's pray. I do thank you, Lord, for the time that we can come together in Christ Jesus. I thank you for your word, Lord, and I would ask, Lord, that our hearts and minds would be open and receptive to what you have for us today. I pray in the name of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're in James chapter 3, and we're looking at verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all, I'll say again, we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet by hell for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Thus says the word of the Lord. And by the way, if I hear some amens out there, praise God, I love them. Um, There's an old saying that says, open mouth and insert foot. We've all been guilty of that several times, I'm sure. Well, there's a story about a young man who was working in the produce section of a large supermarket and was asked by a lady, "Uh, young man, could I buy a half a head of lettuce? And he replied, half a head, he was kind of puzzled, and he said, are you serious? God grows these in whole heads and that's how we sell them." You mean, she persisted, that after all the years I've shopped here you won't sell me a half a head of lettuce? The young man was a little perplexed. He said, look, ma'am, if you'd like, I'll go talk to the manager. And she said, yes, that would be great if you did that. So the young guy marched to the front of the store and said to the manager, you won't believe this, but there's this lame-brained idiot lady back there who wants to know if she can buy a half a head of lettuce. He noticed that the manager was gesturing and turned around to see that the lady was standing right behind him, having obviously followed him to the front of the store. Then the young man said, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half. (laughs) Now, later in the day, the manager cornered the young man and said, that was the finest example of quickly thinking on your feet that I've ever seen. Where did you learn that young man? And he said, sir, I grew up in Grand Rapids. And if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know that it's known for its great hockey teams and its unattractive women." The manager's face became flushed, and he interrupted. "Um, My wife is from Grand Rapids. The young man quickly said, well, sir, what hockey team did she play on? As we look into the word today, we should keep five aspects of the tongue in mind. And Lee, we're ready. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Lee. Uh, And what we're doing, I'm not putting the scripture up today. I'm just going to leave this unfilled outline up there for those of you who want to take notes. So the uh, five aspects of the tongue. The tongue is a teaching tool. Teaching tool. And number two the tongue stumbles and sins often. Number three, the tongue is a little member of the body. Number four, the tongue is a destroyer. And finally number five, the tongue is a restless evil. Now according to statisticians, the average person spends at least one-fifth of his or her life talking. I know some of us probably do a lot more than that. But ordinarily in a single day there's enough words spoken, believe it or not, to fill a fifty-page book. Now, that's a lot of talking. The power of the tongue can never be overestimated. This passage of scripture deals with the tremendous power of the tongue, mainly on the evil side. Our words can bring comfort and encouragement, even life. Or they can also bring discouragement, defeat, and even death. Now, looking at verse 1, and you have your Bibles or uh, in front of you, uh, teachers are specifically addressed in verse 1 of James 3, where it says, Not many believers should seek to become teachers. Well, I'm hoping you're asking your question, or asking yourselves the question, why is that? And it says right there in James, Because teachers will have a stricter judgment from God. A teacher is responsible for the lives and spiritual growth of those under him or her. And God holds that person responsible. Therefore if the teacher fails to live by what they teach, remember the old saying, practice what you preach, that teacher shall bear a greater judgment and condemnation. Teaching is a high calling. It's one of the greatest callings. And it's ranked second in Scripture only to the Apostles and the Prophets. Therefore, it has a large responsibility and it is to receive and does receive a greater scrutiny by God. But still a person is not to fear the responsibility of teaching and the gift If he or she is called to teach, then he or she, it's not optional. That person must teach. So what's the main tool of the teacher? Comes back to the tongue. Therefore, it's the tongue and its use that will have a great bearing upon the teacher's condemnation. The tongue is where the first great temptation attacks teachers and then temptation to misuse the tongue. Next we're going to look at the four things about the tongue that believers must know, especially teachers, but it applies to all of us as believers in Jesus Christ. First, the tongue stumbles and sins often. Keep in mind we all offend sometimes translated stumble fall sin and this includes teachers as well as other believers. No believer is free from stumbling and falling and we all stumble in many ways. We do not just occasionally fall in sin we're always coming up short before God but praise God for Jesus Christ because he is our mediator and it makes us righteous. Jesus Christ makes us righteous before the Father. The tongue is a way of becoming a perfect or mature and fully developed person. Where it says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways, James is saying that he's struggling also. He's not, he has not uh, reached perfection. He's just like all of us. A person's maturity can be judged by their control of the tongue. The tongue is a way by which we can learn to control the whole body with all its appetites and passions. If a person can learn to control their tongue, that person can learn to control any appetite or any passion of the body. The tongue speaks what is in the heart, or in the mind, and it is the tongue that will either justify or condemn us before God. Let's think back about the words of Jesus for just a moment where he said, O oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned." We also need to remember that as believers our warfare is spiritual as well as mental. and That's a topic for another day. We've seen that the tongue stumbles and sins often. Next, the tongue is a little member of the body and we see that in verses 3 through the first part of verse 5 two illustrations are given here. Consider, consider the bit or bridle that is put in the mouth of a horse to guide and turn the horse's body. Now Julie would know a lot better about this than, than I certainly would or Kathy would, but I will say um, that before uh, moving here two years ago we did live on ten acres in a small place called Course gold, and that's when I was saying hello to the saints, because since I know this is going to be on the internet, and that's about 30 miles northeast of Fresno on the way to Yosemite on Highway 41. Well, when our daughters were early teens, we did have a couple of horses, and they became quite proficient riders. Almost every Saturday night in our town of corsgold at the local rodeo grounds, there were some kind of events going on. And it always amazed me to see this, give or take, 2,000 pound horse with a 100 pound or so kid on it and a small bridle. And to see, it just amazed me to see that child make the horse dance. And they did it, it was just mind boggling. Then the next uh, illustration we find here is consider the small rudder or helm that guides a ship. In uh, Long Beach, there's this dry dock ship that's been there forever, but it used to be on the ocean. It's called the Queen Mary. Uh, probably many of you have seen that over the years, but believe it or not, the Queen Mary is one hundred or one thousand nineteen and a half feet long, and it has a rudder that's. 30 feet long. So here we have a small rudder that turns a ship and believe it or not this ship weighs 162,474 pounds. That little rudder turns that thing. And that's the case with our tongues. It's only a little member of the body but its destructive power is great. It can boast great things. The idea of, that's mentioned here is that of boasting of personal accomplishments. No matter how the boasting is done, it can be destructive. It might lower the, a person's image of themselves that you're talking to because of the boasting. Or it may just make the listener feel inferior. It may also lower their image of the person doing the boasting. James 4.16 says, But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. We've seen that the tongue stumbles and sins often, and the tongue is a little member of the body. The tongue is also a destroyer. That's uh, verse 5, end of verse 5 and verse 6. The tongue has the power to start huge fires. Now, in 1961, there was a fire called the Harlow Fire that moved along Highway 49, and that was just west of Oakhurst. Some of you are familiar with the area. Oakhurst, coming out of Fresno on Highway 41, about 40 miles. And at the time, and I don't know about in the last year or two because of the current fires, but this was considered the fastest moving fire in California history. It created a firestorm that burned as much as 175 acres per minute, uh, sweeping more than 18,000 acres in two hours and destroying the towns of Owani and Nipponawasi which are two towns just to the north of Oakhurst on Highway 49. These two towns just north of Oakhurst were destroyed in 15 minutes. It made it to the very edge of Oakhurst in just two days, but it was stopped. It had traveled over 25 miles in that short period of time. A great forest fire is set on fire and it only takes a little spark just as the little spark that started the Harlow fire. So it is with the tongue. The tongue is a fire that can set a whole forest of lives and relationships on fire consuming and destroying all that lies in its path. The tongue just from scripture it's a world of iniquity. Just think about the great and terrible damage that has been done by the fire of words. I'm sure we've all had it happen to us at times. Uh, Rumors, tale-bearing, sharp or cutting remarks. Think about marriages destroyed, children disturbed, friendships damaged, and the list goes on. The list goes on, but the point is well made. The tongue is able to defile the whole body and set on fire the whole course of a person's life. The phrase used in scripture, the course of nature, is a descriptive phrase and it's very picturesque. In the Greek it means the wheel of nature, the wheel of life, the unending span of the stretching from birth until death. Therefore, the tongue can do just what this verse says pollute and dirty a person's whole body and life, the whole wheel of his or her life. Okay, so how is this all possible? Just think for a moment how all the evil of the world finds expression in our words. The source of a firing tongue is hell. Satan himself is the igniter of a fiery tongue. Therefore, any person who sets the tongue ablaze is following the tongue of Satan and the fire of hell itself. This person demonstrates a hellish, satanic heart and not the heart of Jesus Christ. The fire of hell should never be seen in the life of a believer. On the other hand... We're human, last time I checked. We're all sinners saved by grace. Praise God for Jesus Christ. And we will have our moments. But we do have someone to turn to, Jesus Christ, when we have those moments. Proverbs eighteen or 10.18 says, He that hides hatred with lying lips and he that others a slander is a fool. We've seen that the tongue is a teaching tool The tongue stumbles and sins often. The tongue is a little member of the body and the tongue is a destroyer. Finally, the tongue is a restless evil. And that's in verses 7 through 12. These verses say that no person can tame the tongue. But brothers and sisters, I want to tell you there is hope. Praise God. Our hope is that God can tame our tongues. No person can tame the tongue on their own. Not fully, not completely, not adequately, not even enough to please God. Only Christ can control a person's tongue and control control it so that it can be controlled enough to please God. The tongue is unruly, that is restless, uneasy, unstable, always Roman about, verses 8 through 10. And it says it's a fully deadly poison, full of deadly poison. It's amazing. It can bless God in one breath and curse men with the other, men who are made in the image of God, verse 9. Please note how inconsistent the tongue is. It blesses God and... It curses men. How many of us, I have my moments too, I'll admit it. But how many of us sit in church on Sunday or at meals blessing God and then turn around on Monday and say mean things about others? It's the same tongue that does both. Verse 10 says the tongue must be controlled. It's not fitting or right for a believer's tongue to be untamed. Well, there's two illustrations used here in scripture. A believer is just like a fountain, a fountain for God. And it says, does a fountain that is supposed to bring forth sweet water bring forth bitter water also? It's contrary to the nature nature of believers to have an untamed tongue. Scripture goes on, a believer is just like a fig tree. Does the fig tree bear olives? Or vines, or the vine, figs? Just as no fountain will yield fresh and salt water at the same time. No good tongue yields both words of blessing and words of cursing. Only an evil tongue can do this. James 1.26 says, If any man among you seems to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. General Robert E. Lee was once asked what he thought of a fellow officer in the Confederate Army. An officer who had made some some pretty mean-spirited remarks about Lee. Lee thought a moment, then rated that other fellow officer as being very satisfactory. The person who asked the question was a little bit puzzled. He said, but General, I guess you don't know what he's been saying about you. And Lee said, oh yes I do, I know. But I was asked my opinion of him, not his of me. it's true that controlling our tongue is one of life's greatest challenges. There's a saying, great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, small minds discuss people. Admittedly though, there are ways that we can talk about people and still honor them. So how can we escape our inclination to use words to hurt others? We can do this by recognizing that the ultimate ultimate error of our words is God. With the psalmist, we can pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to your sight, O Lord. Psalm 1914. When we seek to please God with our conversations about others, we honor him. With his help, we can glorify him through what we talk about. It's been said that Christians read books and non-Christians read Christians. And I'll say that again. It's been said that Christians read books And non-Christians, read Christians. What about our tongues? Have we yielded them to God? Or are we just like the fountain that brings forth both sweet and bitter waters? Our tongues are small but mighty. How we use them can either build up or tear down. When our kids were growing up, um, at times they would go at it with each other. Uh, I'll just say that mildly. And we used to tell them, uh, instead of um, having that sharp response to your sibling, uh, sometimes it's better to eat a little crow. Jonathan Edwards said the following, never say anything at all against anybody but when it is perfectly agreeable to the highest degree of Christian honor and of love to mankind. Only speak the pure and simple truth. Never speak evil of any, except when there is a good reason. And finally, he said, let there be something of kindness in all that we speak. I'm going to ask you this when you leave here today, please ask yourself this question. During this past year, if someone had paid you $10 for every kind word you said to someone else, and took away $10 for every unkind word, would you be rich Or would you be poor? Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's a a tough subject. But Lord, I thank you that we have hope. Our hope is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. We know that's possible, Lord, on the day of judgment, that we will be fully conformed when we stand in front of the judgment seat. And when our Lord Jesus says to us, well done, my good and my faithful servant, Lord Jesus, I pray in your glorious name. Amen.